better not have no plans tonight. Movie time and it's feeling right. You're looking for a love that lasts. You'll find it at Romance in the Podcast. Ooh, ooh, baby, you had me a hello. Ooh, I love you. I know. Ooh, ooh, baby, you're the wind beneath my wings. Ooh, ah, I'll have what she's having. Thank you for tuning into Romance in the Pod. You had us at hello. I'm Paige Wesley. I'm Mikey Randolph. And I'm Todd Schlosser. And this week, Paige made us watch Kate, Kate and Leopold. So was this the first time any of us had seen this movie before? Okay, so I'd never seen this. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna come out strong. Okay, you guys ready? Sure. Hit me. I wanted to like this movie. I wanted to be charmed by this movie. Yeah. I wanted it to be too dumb that I was like, oh, this is so stupid. I hated this movie. Yes, Mikey. <laughs> yes, because I'm here to tell you that re-watching this as an adult, I also don't super like this movie. <laughs> and it was like so many reasons. Like, I love the cast. It's almost unwatchable. It's it's like, it's terrible. <laughs> the bulk of my reasons are Meg Ryan. Um, I feel like this is the most unlikable we've ever seen Meg Ryan. I'll agree. They are dressing her in the most unflattering clothes the entire film. Yeah. Her haircut looks like someone accidentally dropped a bucket of scissors on her head and then she didn't wash it for like a month. The whole movie. It legit looks like, you know how like when someone drops like a bucket of water on someone's head and it like... It it hits the top of their head and then goes out to the sides and just like straight out. Yes. It looks like her hair is a consistent like bucket of water being dumped on her head because it's like straight down and like in front of her face and it's wild. Well, and it's constantly in her face. And yes. I'm like, how yeah. is she not constantly flipping it out of her face? She was in an emo band. It's fine. <laughs> it's, but that's the least of my problems with it. Like they have zero chemistry in a way zero. that is like offensive. Like I totally thought Hugh Jackman and... And what's his face? Liev Schreiber? Sabretooth. They have more sexual chemistry than him than him oh, and Meg Ryan. Mikey! Okay, so I'm going to reveal something. I said I had seen this movie last episode because I thought I had. Yeah. It was Tristan and Azul I was thinking of. Oh, no. This movie I had never seen. And Okay. So, like, immediately you know because it's not Tristan and Azul. I was like, oh, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. no, I've never seen this. And then you see, and we're going to get into it when we talk about it, but, like, Liev Schreiber's, like, in 1876 or whatever taking, like, little snapshots of the small little camera yeah, yeah, yeah. and Hugh Jackman can't take his eyes off of him and can't stop talking about who he's never found love and can't doesn't want to marry anybody and I was like wait a second is Hugh Jackman gonna like fall in love with Liev Schreiber like is that what's happening <laughs> and I was on board for that it would make more sense I was waiting for the token Bridgerton violin version of that Taylor Swift song with the see me in hindsight tingle over you all night <laughs> like as they're just like looking across the room yeah um, here Here's my other, and this was a, a real big pet peeve that I did not understand as a child seeing this movie that I really disliked as an adult, is the early 2000s portrayal of any career woman as just rude. Like, there's no character attributes to her except that she is loud and rude. <laughs> oh, and also masculine. Like, they dress her masculine. He refers to her as, like, barely a woman. He does, because he's an asshole. Well, yes, I don't think yeah. she's all that masculine. Me I think either. the movie doesn't understand, A, that femininity is a spectrum and you could be many places on it, but also, B, they give her no character other than jacket 
maggots and loud. Yeah. And I hate it. I hate it so much. And there is, again, negative chemistry between them. Uh, okay. I also thought it was boring. And I was like, you have this bonkers premise and you somehow made it boring for me. And you yeah. go back and forth in time. It takes a lot for me to get bored in a time travel love movie without hating it. I mean, like, it was just, uh, I just did not like it. I, I don't know. I, I, the fish out of the water stuff wasn't that funny. Like, I, I just was bored. Well, and it, they just stopped doing it after a while, which I think is really funny. Because, like, in the very beginning, when he first travels through time, everything, oh, my God, it's all magic. <laughs> and it, it's only like that for, like, a day. And then he's like, ah, this New York is old. I understand it now. And also, this movie takes place over two weeks, which means that a woman goes from being in a career that she supposedly loves to abandoning her entire life, everyone she knows, and all of her rights and freedoms to go back in time. Back in time! Think about the culture shock that she would have to go through. And he's still broke. And he's still broke, you're right. Oh, yeah. And he really should stay in the future with her because then she's not giving up, like, the right to vote and, like, her but job But then no elevators would work, Todd. Oh, my God. That, that also <laughs> drove me crazy because he didn't invent elevator. I mean, maybe he did in the story or whatever, but, like, he is not the father of elevator invention. Like, necessity would have invented elevators. Uh, Todd, he still invented elevators in the film. I mean, like, you can't take that from him. No, I know, but I'm just saying that elevators would have been of invented anyway. Who knows? You just don't know. Oh, my God. You just don't know. The reason his butler is named <laughs> Otis is an homage to the person who actually made elevators possible. Actually, yeah, I was yeah. going to say. Yeah, that's still yeah. a company. That's still an elevator company today. Yeah, they well, are. Well, it's named after the guy who did it. Like, yeah. yeah. Right. Okay, we're getting way off track. I have a... Fun question. How high in the nobility do you have to go up before you give up your life now and go back in time? I, the nobility of it doesn't matter to me. I would like to be an absolute monarch and I would give up my life now to go back in time to be an absolute monarch. Ooh, We're going to have a reverse know. bread <sighs> ornament scenario with Mikey. <laughs> like if I was a benevolent dictator king, Mikey the third, you know, like. Mikey the third. <laughs> like, what time do I have to go back to? Because as oh, a. Anytime, anytime you want. As a woman, even as a monarch, it's a very different game for me. 100%. This is why, like, how much power do you want? Like Catherine the I Great? I don't really like, want power. I would absolutely not go back in time. I'm very jealous of people being born now because they'll get so much more into the future than I will. There are definitely historical periods that I'm curious about and fascinated by. But I also realized that like walking around in those historical periods as a a woman and be a woman of size would be fucking terrible. Well, back then, yeah, that would have been sought after, Paige. Well, depending upon when back then is. That's kind of a myth. And it also, A, does depend on when back then is. Because I have no yeah. desire to go back to a time before modern medicine. Exactly. Which is, like, pretty recent. That's, like, 1900s. Yeah. Like, that's pretty yeah. recent. Best case scenario, I'm going to go back and be an adult in the 60s and 70s and... Even then, life is not great for me as a woman in that time. No. Yeah, absolutely not. So I would not go back in time for any level of monarch power. I must say. Although, okay, okay, okay. If I was foisted back in time and I had no control over it, but I got to consistently bang Jamie Frazier from Outlander, mm -hmm, then we can mm -hmm. talk. I get it. We'll figure okay, something what about out. This? I'm king of England. It's 200-ish years ago. I tear up the Magna Carta and take back absolute power. They would murder you immediately. Yeah, you'd be like drawn and quartered in the streets, fool. Not with my double Uzis <laughs> and witch magic. <laughs> okay, so you're bringing, you're bringing <laughs> like, modern weapons back in time is what <laughs> you're saying. No, 
but also witch magic. <laughs> Double Uzis and witch magic. Okay, in this scenario, you can fill a tractor trailer with as much stuff as you want to take back with you oh, to okay. control everything. You're like, okay. I'm going back in time. Plus, Ooh. plus, I'm going to add, you can bring a, a handful of people with you, like a modern doctor or something, to try to take over the world as much as you can with your future technology. Okay, here's what I'm going to say to that. I would love for you to go back in time and take modern medicine, take all of that stuff, because I would love to live now if they had had modern medicine 300 years ago, just how far advanced they got from that. Do you think if I went back 300 years to conquer the world with modern technology that your life now would be better? I'm going to say yes. <laughs> because I'll write it in my will. I'll be like, Todd will be born on. <laughs> Kill this child. <laughs> what if? I go back in time <laughs> to the to the late 50s with a fantastic set of outfits, double Uzis and witch magic, and I'm a <laughs> high-ranking member of the CIA. Okay. How do you think I could, like, do you think the world would be better or worse? I think we would have more relaxed LSD laws, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> Here is your mandated Pyrex. <laughs> well, just like, I mean, I could be like, hey, don't don't put that in coffee. Save it for the party later. That person doesn't even know they're being dosed. Like, what if you have somebody who could frustrate MK Ultra? How does the world change? Oh, I love all this. You know what I want? This is the HBO Max series I want. I want a reboot of Time Cop where it's not about the cops. It's every week it's someone else fucking with time and then they have to like come and take them out before they do so much damage. And you get to see the consequences in the future. So it's just a time snuff film every week? They could catch them sometimes <laughs> and take them to time jail or whatever. <laughs> a guy I... dressed as a bush could tackle them on the lawn. <laughs> Think about Judge Dredd and Time Cop mixed together. Okay. But then while you're doing the bad things it cuts to the future of how fucked up it is and every week you get to see the same characters dealing with the fucked up future every episode's like a really quick back to the future too but there are time cops yeah, yeah yes yeah think about back to the future too with like judge dread coming in there and killing biff that would be amazing to well, i'm on board mikey <laughs> i was on the fence and now i'm on board with that pitch think about me back in time with my like trailer of like machine guns trying to take over the world and then like carl urban just comes up and shoots me in the head and he's like no. wait I have a question. What do you define as witch magic? I think just women reading a book. I think that's what he refers <laughs> yeah, yeah, to as witch magic. Yeah. Ladies reading, having <laughs> thoughts. I just walk into parliament with like a World War II flamethrower and I go. You guy fox your own parliament. Bye, bow before your sensei. <laughs> and they're like, what is a sensei? You'll find out. <laughs> you guys won't get it, but your kids will. <laughs> Back to your point earlier, Paige, where he goes from like everything's new to him to like just completely cool with modern day New York. The part that really sticks out for me that like represents that is when he goes and films the commercial, commercial? and he walks in front of the camera and he's like, I'm assuming this is to camera or he says something like that. And I'm like, you wouldn't know what a camera is. Yeah. You should be blown away by what is happening. Oh, there capturing a little miniature me inside that machine like he does not react like you would expect him to react at all so for me it actually happens before that the night before or I guess two nights before yeah and this was something that like I remember as a kid my dad remarking on this and as a kid thinking like you just don't understand love which is <laughs> <laughs> you were at that age when you saw this the first time I get it yeah, yeah like for sure yeah. uh when he tucks her in and then climbs into bed next to her. And my dad was like, he would be scandalized by this. Yes. And it's only days from him arriving there. And I get that 
maybe his is the most powerful erection on the planet. But <laughs> that's also a joke I did not get as a child, the amount of erection jokes in this film. Wait, really? <laughs> I had no clue. Uh, watching it as an adult, I was like, how many times are they going to say erection? I I'm sure maybe, you know, like history dick took over in that moment. But I feel like that's a step too far that he would have been like, propriety says no or he would have like sat in a chair near her or something yeah no because he's got king mikey back then where he comes from king mikey with his uzis and his witch magic and mandated sex education by power of the king everyone gets bullet bandoliers <laughs> <laughs> but no guns <laughs> one gun mikey would you really go by king mikey if you were a king I mean, what would you go by, King Todd? You could go by anything, dude. Yeah. My name is King Max Power. <laughs> Maximum power. Also, remember, you could just go, like, steal people's identity and shit. Like, I could just, like, bust it back to the 60s and be like, I'm Mama Cass now. Fucking deal with it. I am the <laughs> King of England, King John F. Kennedy Jr. <laughs> Jr., you say? <laughs> I think I'd probably be King Han Solo. Yeah, you you could be King yeah. Han Solo. I could I could yeah. just show up and be like, "It's me, Beyonce," and like, <laughs> and they'd be like, "Yes, Queen." <laughs> well, suddenly, you're the first person to have to teach people how to pronounce Beyonce. <laughs> You know, I had all these thoughts while I was watching the movie because the movie was so boring. It actually <laughs> is for as crazy of a premise it is. It is pretty like boring rom-com. It's like not good at all. Well, it's because they have no chemistry. They have absolutely no chemistry in this movie. That's because the guy that Hugh Jackman should have ended up falls down an elevator shaft because he never got a chance to invent it. And disappears for an hour and a half yeah, of the movie. he's gone. Yeah. And Lee Schreiber's acting is ass off in this film which i found hilarious yeah because he has a full monologue that's amazing about like dogs <laughs> not seeing color and you're just like what what, what? i was like <laughs> and the girl starts crying and i was like yeah. this is the love story i want i have in fun facts <laughs> some descriptions <laughs> some descriptions of like plot changes that happened before oh, yeah? this winter production okay this movie was gonna be fucking bonkers damn it i wish it was that's what i wanted this movie was gonna be outlander levels of time loops like <sighs> wild shit my least favorite part of this film is when they she finds the pictures of her in the past falling in love with him is that she looks super bored falling in love with him at that party <laughs> and slightly blurry yeah you're like uh i don't think that's me that could be other people it could be anybody a there's no reason why he should fall in love with her there's no indication that he has there's no chemistry there's no situation between them that lets them get to know each other better until he's quote already in love with her and then all of a sudden she just magically feels the same like it's just Paige they've been on one date by the time she decides to go back in time with him I know back it's in bonkers. time Sorry. Oh, how dare you use Huey Lewis against me <laughs> yeah no, it, it is wild I am King Huey Lewis <laughs> and this is the news the news <laughs> or, yeah, it would be better if it was this is the ooze and then you start mowing yeah, people down with the oozy and the witch magic yeah yeah oh my god i hope king huey lewis and the ooze doesn't come to town <laughs> watch out for the witch magic he's reloading and you're just like grabbing <laughs> extra wands <laughs> those are clips listeners the wands are clips <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just got bandoliers full of crystals and herbs. Witch magic! <laughs> <laughs> 
Perhaps we should get into this movie so we can talk about it, though, because I think it's going to be fun to talk about. I think so, too. So we open on credits over gears, and it seems to be kind of the inside of a clock. And there's a weird voiceover about time. Um, We cut to the essentially the unveiling of a partially finished Brooklyn Bridge. And Leopold is drawing and sketching it. It's really just a tower if there's no road connecting it, you know? True. It's the early stages of building a bridge. But yeah. Yeah. And and the guy who's building it is describing it as my glorious erection. The greatest erection on the continent of the age on the planet. And he's right. He did have a great erection. That guy (laughs) had the biggest bridge boner that I've ever seen. It's like. (laughs) I still had hopes for this movie on this scene because I was like, oh, yeah, I like this. Yeah. This is stupid. (laughs) Every time it cut to Liev Schreiber laughing or like giggling, I was like, man, that is exactly what Mikey would be doing if someone was saying that in front of him. Yep. (laughs) I've come to observe time and they're (laughs) double entendres. (laughs) (laughs) He's on a double entendre tour of time. (laughs) <laughs> yep. But Leopold what? notices Lee Schreiber and doesn't quite notice what he's doing because Lee Schreiber's got like a modern day camera. So like he's got like a spy camera. It's like a yeah. very tiny camera from the 90s. Right. So Leopold chases after him for a little bit, but loses him in the crowd. He goes home and we find out that there's a ball that night for him to pick a bride because he is broke and needs to marry rich. And it's not enough to be the Duke He's a fancy duke. He's the Duke of Albany. Albany. My brain said Hastings. I was like, no, that's the hot one. (laughs) I think the Duke of Albany was, wasn't that like in King Lear? No. I mean, the Duke of Albany is like a real, like Albany in England. And then Mm -hmm. Albany in New York is named after the Albany in England. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he would have been the Duke of the the one, obviously, in England. Uh, And they do mention he came over from England. But Mm -hmm. I thought... I may be wrong, but I thought that Duke Albany was a character in King Lear, too. Duke Orsino is Twelfth Knight. Okay. And also, she's the man played by Charming <laughs> Potato. Did you say Charming Potato? Yeah, no. It's w- me. Yeah. King Charming Potato. <laughs> <laughs> All bow before me. Your Majesty, I loved you in 21 Jump Street. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, science. <laughs> anyway. So clearly Leopold's not super into getting married. He's not into any of these ladies and also allegedly invented the elevator shrug. He didn't. Yeah, I'm sure somebody else did. Well, and by this point, he hasn't yet. Yeah. But it's clear he's interested in science because of, you know, what he has around his room. He's got a little one set up. Yeah. Elisha Graves Otis, born August 3rd, 1811 in Halifax, Vermont, uh, is the inventor of the elevator. Yeah, but Duke Albany's uncle is telling him about his situation. I'm sort of telling the audience, he's like, listen, you're broke, your dad died, I have to take care of you, which means you have to marry someone with money because all you have is a title and nothing more. I feel that, brother. Mikey, I don't think you have, do you have a title? Oh, wait. You're the good king. Charming potato. Charming potato. potato. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I cannot wait until we get a meme of your face on a potato with a crown on it. I mean, here. okay, here's what I want. Tell me. Hear me out. I'm hearing. I want a t-shirt. I'm listening. With two Uzis crisscrossed and then like a satchel of herbs and crystals (laughs) that just says witch magic and Uzis. Yeah. That's what I want. Or a sticker that just says witch magic and and Uzis. I basically I would set up like a rock concert with like laser beams and like like a freaking fog machine. I witch magic and Uzis is a great band name as well. Anyway, 
So he ends up going to the party. He dances with Miss Tree of the Trees of Schenectady. And it is Kristen Schaal doing her best buggy-eyed expression. I feel bad for Kristen Schaal in this movie because I love Kristen Schaal. She's in so much and she's a very, very funny woman. But it's clear that in this movie she was like the undesirable woman and they painted her that way so hard. And I felt very bad Which, for her. She's very pretty. I think so she's pretty I, I didn't too. buy it as much. I do, but I also think I think she is also playing it up with her face. Oh, a bit. me too. Like I think she knew <laughs> what she was in for. Like I don't think they pulled a bait and switch on her. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite Kristen Schaal is in What We Do in the Shadows, the TV <sighs> show. Yeah. Oh yeah. Where she's the the head of the vampire council and she's just we send five hundred ravens. I love it. <laughs> but she's in everything, man. She's so good. She is. So Leah Schreiber has snuck into this party. He's trying to hide, but Leopold follows him and follows him up to his room where he's photographing all of Leopold's designs. Yeah. And Hugh Jackman now sees his love. He's like, oh, I have to follow this man wherever he may go. <laughs> I will follow him. Yeah. <laughs> follow him off any bridge he, he jumps. Two other times. I have a question anyway. before we move on. Sure. Did him and Meg Ryan date? Is that what their thing was? Yes. Leah Schreiber and Meg Ryan dated for four years and have only been broken up for a month. So Leopold is her rebound pussy. Yes. And they haven't even had sex by the time this movie ends. And they've dated a week tops she just broke up with Liev schreiber a relationship that went on for four years i yes. can't believe he got he went back in time to get her to move on because he was so unhappy with her i can't <laughs> believe they broke up over a non-dairy spreadable spread what you mean leopold and kate <laughs> yeah they That's broke true. up over margarine man margarine <laughs> well, he he didn't like it i don't understand what's hard to like here you know i, I got it <laughs> i just i I understand his point, but I'm like, it's margarine, bro. You guys are breaking up over margarine. I just want you to take a step back and be like, where did my relationship go wrong when we didn't include dairy in this spreadable food product? They broke up over his honor page. Sure. <laughs> yeah, he didn't like that she was lying. Speaking of processed food products, I'm going to take some bites of hot dog. Hang on, just do it. The thing that bothers me about that, though, Paige, and I know we'll get to it, is they break up at the commercial and then they are back together at the end of the movie, which is like five minutes later. Oh, my God. That was the biggest bite of hot dog I've ever seen anyone <laughs> yeah, take. Yeah, yeah. And I am so proud of you right now. You turn that foot I'm long up. into a six inch like that. <laughs> I've never been so hungry or turned on. I'm getting really hungry. I do, love that, I do love that Mikey and I are just like hanging out while Paige takes a hot dog break. Fine. It feels like I should be eating. I'm like, it's honestly fine. Like I, I'm enjoying it. Thanks for letting me take a hot dog break. No problem. Let's get episode. back into it. Let's get into it. Uh, so he chases Liev Schreiber across the scaffolding outside his window, literally all the way up to the partially completed Brooklyn Bridge. Which is a lot of effort for a guy. Liam Schreiber like leaves his house in a carriage. Where did he get a carriage? And then of course Leopold follows him in, on his horse. Oh, this isn't the right type of carriage for this time. <laughs> 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 but like they oh, God. they have a full on chase scene where Liam Schreiber makes it to the bridge or the, the erection and then <laughs> yeah. climbs the erection and then Leopold, right. not to be outdone, is like following up the uh, erection yeah like he doesn't have to get to the top just the tip <laughs> <laughs> and then he jumps out of the tip of it into the sock of time oh sorry the, so the sock of time. 
Okay, were either of you Star Trek Next Generation people? Yes. Do you remember the episode where everyone gets addicted to playing a virtual reality video game with their headsets? Yep. And it's basically because like CGI was not great at the time. They're just like guiding discs down into like a grid hole. Yeah. That's exactly what his drawings about time look like <laughs> is that game. Yeah, that's quite the reference, but it checks out. It's an old reference, Sarah, but it checks out. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, anyway, so Liev Schreiber goes to jump. Leopold stops him because he's like, no, you have so much to live for. And he's like, time. And then the thing, the scaffolding he was holding onto breaks. So they both fall through the time sock. And back into modern day New York City. Oh, I did like that he was wearing the swim goggles. Oh, yeah. Liev Schreiber wore like steampunk goggles. No, they weren't steampunk goggles. They were swimmers goggles. They sort of were, yeah. For modern times. He he brought them with him. Cosplayers have to use what they have around them, okay? Not everyone has a ton of money to buy steampunk goggles. Also, you don't know the last time that time sock was used, and it could be pretty (laughs) sticky in there, so you don't want to get that stuff in your eyes. It could be. And maybe he didn't have time to steal goggles from the set of Will Smith's Wild Wild West. (laughs) But if he had, I'm sure he would have tried to. So he gets back to New York and he's trying to like drag Hugh Jackman onto his couch. Wouldn't we all? (laughs) How many times have I dreamed about that, Mikey? Am I right? Now, here's something really interesting. So Meg Ryan's the downstairs neighbor, right? Yeah. And they share a fire escape. Yes. We see Meg Ryan come home and like do a bunch of stuff around her house before she hears them upstairs and goes to check it out. And she does something that I realized is a very like of the time thing that doesn't really exist anymore. She got an AOL? No, she she sets up a bath and she drops bath beads into it. Do you guys remember bath beads? That they're plastic though, right? Yes. Okay. I think that they like hurt people or something. Like figured out that they're very toxic. I or have something. no idea what happened to bath beads, but you cannot find them nowadays. But they were like they were everywhere for a minute, and they're. I think a- they're microplastics. I think they like hurt everything. <laughs> That's amazing. wait. Hold on. I gotta look. Why are bath beads gone? Okay, people almost died, apparently. <laughs> I, I, I remember that. <laughs> See, I didn't Were remember that Were they slipping on them? I'm confused. No, okay, so, they, so they're so they a dissolvable plastic. Sure, yeah. On the exterior, and then the inside is just like an essential oil kind of thing, basically, like a soap oil, and they just wash out into the water. So they like dissolve into the water, and then when you drain it, they go away. Okay. And apparently, the coating around them was like kind of toxic and so, <laughs> so they stopped making them according to this reddit thread that i have found now would you like to marinate in this toxic goo i've marinated <laughs> in plenty of toxic goo apparently stop stealing my t- pickup lines <laughs> uh, oh man apparently they were also uh not safe for dogs I just found this article and I'm only going to read you the title and nothing else, but it's on the, a, a site called Live Well. Oh, great. Here's the title. <laughs> Bath beads, salt, bubbles, and what they do to your vagina. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What do they do to your vagina? I'm not going to read that. Oh, but I want to know to make sure your vagina is safe. <laughs> also, it, it's vulva as a Netflix documentary corrected me the other day, but. Is that the thing on pleasure? Yeah, it's really interesting. Actually. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> so she puts bath oil beads in her bath. And I was like, flashback. 
Uh, but then <laughs> she hears the noises upstairs and yeah. goes to check it out. And she thinks that she sees Leah Schreiber hooking up with somebody on the couch. Yeah, I think he. she assumes it's a woman, but like... Right. Well, there's a lot of lace and ruffles. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So th- that's on them. But like, it is Leah Schreiber just trying to put Hugh Jackman on the couch. Right, right, right. Yeah. So she goes downstairs and is calling to be like, hey, you still have my Palm Pilot. I need it. Uh, which is also... <laughs> dates this movie oh um, yeah and my favorite is that jesus is my palm pilot oh jesus take the stylus well I, I was gonna say i don't think jesus wants anything to do with where your palms have been uh jesus's palms were our place on the cross nailed up there yeah but where have you, also can you stop shooting you know, directly you, into the mic and you know you know who put him there with his palms a pilot pontius pilot <laughs> Mikey, do you think Pontius Pilate flew a plane? That's what he brought back on the tractor of time, Paige. That's how he got to rule all of Jerusalem for the Romans. He could have also been driving a tugboat. I think they're called pilots, too. I think they're captains. He's a river pilot. I think that's a real thing. Todd, Google it. Yeah. So um, what is a river pilot? A river pilot steers boats on inland waterways. So Mikey is right. Out of all of those claims, I was right about river pilot. So like if I'm a river pilot in my bathtub, because that's an inland waterway. Water. <laughs> yeah, waterway. Hugh Jackman was trying to get in her inland waterway. Hugh Jackman could get in my inland waterway. You know what I'm saying? The thing he, wa- he looked at like he wanted to have sex with the most was that hungry man dinner. I mean, have you seen Hungry Man dinners these days? There's a lot of variety. But I think my favorite is that they somehow found a way to put him in like a tight tank top and still have it be historical because it had buttons. I do like the way that they dress him changes slowly throughout the movie from like very like 1876 to like a like 90s version of what the clothes were like in 1876. Right. Just like. Okay, but what if it was Armani and regular pants? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I mean, honestly, he comes, he jumps through the time sock with nothing. Like, he didn't pack or anything. And the next day, you see him wearing a different, like, outfit, but still 1876 clothes. And I was like, he didn't pack a bag. Like, what is he wearing right. right now? That is a good point. He wasn't wearing that blue coat. No, he was not. So I guess just Liev Schreiber, like, goes to, like, 1800s cosplay conventions and just had a closet full of that kind of stuff. I guess. Or there's just a missing scene where Leopold goes shopping and someone like didn't want to help him because he looked like he was a cosplayer. But then he came back later and he was all fashionable. And he's just like, big mistake. Huge. (laughs) My favorite thing in this scene is that Liev Schreiber like stumbles over to his hoarder corner of books and just immediately pulls one out. That's just the big book of royals. And he just like flips to like Duke of Albany. And he's like, yes, like. He's comparing like a drawing. He's like, I got him. (laughs) But the drawing is as descriptive as like the leprechaun drawing from that viral video. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, all y'all see the Duke of Albany say, yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Where's the elevator at? Give me the elevator. You know, I know this movie's bad because of how this episode's going. (laughs) (laughs) You mean great? Yeah. Yeah. But I literally don't remember what happens after this scene for like 20 more minutes. I eat two more hot dogs. That's what happens. No, I'm kidding. Oh, yeah. She then starts using the, this is kind of not nice because she shocks his dog and he goes over to try and take the collar off. 
She waits till he grabs it and then she shocks him. That's mean. Like it's that's cruel. that makes me like not it. like her from the jump. Yeah. Also, did this dog remind you of anyone you know, Mikey? No, Bert's way nicer than Mikey's dog. A hundred percent. The dog was just rampaging around, and I was like, "Oh, it's like Macy." Wait, who was it? Oh, it was <laughs> Katrina that we were trying to describe Macy to, and we were like, "It's like all of her limbs move independently, <laughs> including her head." I let her out this morning, and she just made laps around the yard. I was like watching, and I was like, "Oh." That's just so much. She had zoomies. <laughs> yeah. The video I've seen of her where she, it literally just looks like every foot is stepping in a different direction <laughs> and her head is just on a swivel. I'm just like, that's a whole lot of chaos for one dog. <sighs> she is a whole lot of chaos. She's too much. Anyway, so at least the, the dog caller gets his attention, which is not great. But so she calls and he tries to explain that he found time travel and she's just like, oh, it's always time travel. It's not you. It's time travel. <laughs> who's time travel? What's her name? <laughs> well, he, she is trying to find out who's in his apartment. Like, yes. she has any right to know at this point. They've been broken up for a month. Yeah, which is <sighs> dating your neighbor can be problematic, which is why, Mikey, you never dated your neighbor. That's <laughs> right. You only hooked up a few times. But yeah, so they get into this <laughs> argument where She's like, I blew the best years of my life on you. And he's like, those were your best. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> blisteringly of Schreiber. I thought it was great, though. That's a great comeback to that. That's such a cruel <laughs> comeback. But I was just and she's just sitting on the bed. like She shocked his dog. Yeah, I, she did shock his dog. She had it coming. Uh, but like my my favorite about this movie that I realized very early is that this is the stage in, in Meg Ryan's plastic surgery, which it, people can do what they want with their bodies. But this is the stage at which it is very difficult to tell if her face is sad or not. Yeah. And so in this scene, she's like sitting on the bed like, uh -huh, and you're like, is she smiling or crying? I don't know. <laughs> like <laughs> Confusion. And she just like slowly hangs up the phone. Yeah. This is like the last big movie she did pretty much. No, she did stuff after. And I think part, I mean, part of what it, it was, A, is the societal pressure to get plastic surgery, which is yeah. some hardcore bullshit. And B, the thing about plastic surgery is it kind of settles over time on your face. So like, even if you have something done, two years later, it's not gonna look exactly the same. And so I think if I remember correctly, news story wise, people were talking about it a lot at this time because she had had her lips done. And when you have your lips done, it does take a while for them to like settle on your face and they hadn't quite settled yet. So there are things that come out after this where she looks, it looks a little more natural for her face shape and stuff, but it's a while. It's like a couple years before she does much else after this. Anyway. So he hangs up on her and is like, I'll get your Palm Pilot in the morning. We cut to the next morning uh, and Hugh Jackman wakes up and accidentally presses the remotes, which turns on the TV and the radio. The dog gets loose. It's a whole bunch of everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. And Leah Schreiber gets up, turns everything off. And my favorite that, uh, again, went over my head as a child, but... Hugh Jackman says, my eyes feel like steak au poivre. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a crazy thing to say. Because <laughs> he does pepper spray him to try and get him to like leave him on the tower or whatever. Yeah. Anyway, Leo Schreiber tries to explain everything that has happened. So he tries to explain the crack in time. Yeah. And he's like, you invented the elevator. Like, 
you're still in New York. It's just the future. And as he's trying to explain it, Kate bursts into the apartment and is like, where's my Palm Pilot? And he tries to explain her away by being like, women have changed. She's dangerous. <laughs> anyway, so he, he basically is like, you got to stay inside. I'm going to get you home. I promise. And he's going to take Bart outside to go pee. But before he leaves, he's like, hey, there's a portal that opens up next week. Kind of like an eclipse. It's two weeks. Two weeks. Yeah. That's what it is. Two weeks. And hands him a bunch of papers and is like, I'd be honored if you look at those. I'll explain everything later. So he leaves and gets kind of distracted by a hot neighbor and steps, steps into an empty elevator shaft, which like the leash slips off. So the dog is safe, thankfully, but yeah. he falls, which I'm pretty sure that fall would kill you or at least hurt him way more than he gets hurt in this movie. I mean, it looks like he breaks a leg and an arm and then literally within the two week time period, he's like walking without crutches. So like, it, yeah. I guess he just sprained everything. Like, I don't know. It seems wild I mean, to me. I feel like if you fall down an elevator shaft especially if you don't expect to fall down an elevator shaft like if you didn't jump down it if you're just like unaware is like no i feel like that's a like bane breaking your back in dark knight rises kind of scenario where you're gonna have to like rehab your back through the power of fighting crime like i don't know i i feel like it's gonna take longer than two weeks yeah i mean if it was leah schreiber sure i think hugh jackman's character could have handled it because he was born in the shaft so. right right, right. <laughs> leah schreiber merely adopted the shaft yeah, exactly yeah he fell for like four seconds that's like a long time. That's a well, long okay, fall. so the reason he didn't hurt himself too much, I guess, is because the the leash broke his fall, and then he only fell a little bit. I don't know. Like the whole thing is bonkers. Like in a movie about like a time travel and cum sock, we're arguing over <laughs> how much injury you would sustain if you fell down an elevator shaft. I mean, whoa, I, whoa, whoa! I know there was time travel, but I don't think there was cum in that sock yet. <laughs> But there also could be. So it's like Schrodinger's sock. Like, is yeah. there coming in the sock or not? That's why he wears the goggles. Like, sometimes there is, sometimes there isn't. You never know until you jump into the sock. Yeah, you don't know how much time juice is going to be in there. That time juice is not there yet. It's a circle. Time's a flat circle. <laughs> so are you saying that they're jumping during, like, a refractory juice period? I mean, yeah, I brought the goggles, but, like, it happens to everybody, okay? So, like, it's not always going to be full of juice. Oh, this time portal's a squirter. Oh, oh my god. That's why he wore the goggles. <laughs> he should he should have worn a poncho. Uh anyway. <laughs> He's in the splash zone. <laughs> <laughs> the time splash zone. Oh wow. So Stuart is gone. He has fallen down the elevator shaft. Uh meanwhile, Kate comes up because he forgot the stylus with her palm pilot. Yeah. And as she comes up, she finds the dog in the hallway and she's like, you can't just leave a dog in the hallway. What's wrong with you? You gotta take the dog for a walk. And apparently Bart peed in the hallway. Right. Not because he needed to but because he wanted to show dominance over that hallway. Yeah, he was like, I just murdered my owner and now I'm going to own this hallway. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the owner now? <laughs> I'm off the leash. <laughs> <laughs> Shock this bitch. <laughs> so meanwhile, back in the apartment, Leopold is discovering razors and shaving cream for the first time. Hot, I guess. Uh, so Kate comes in, makes him walk the dog and he basically is outside for the first time ever. Yes. 
Well, in the future, yeah. In the future. And he does say some weird stuff about, like, research is perfect for the feminine mind. I once courted a librarian, and she's just like, whatever, I don't care. Like, <laughs> I aggressively have no time for your bullshit. And she just, like, leaves him. And so he goes and, like, walks past an electronic store. He's like, I'm a feminist. I once read a book by a female author. Oh. Have you heard of Jane Austen? <laughs> Austen? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was, like, the Adele disease of book titles. <laughs> But Jane Austen would have been out by then. She was 1700s, right? In between uh, 1700 and 1800. Yeah, yeah, no, no. She she would have been out at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So he stops by an electronic store, which is how he finds out that all the elevators have stopped. But he doesn't know what an elevator is, so he doesn't care. That's just for us, the audience, to be like, <gasps> ooh, he's disappearing from the elevator picture, basically. <laughs> <laughs> but like, they do show briefly like a news story about how all the elevators in Manhattan stopped working. Could you imagine those giant hundred-story buildings? No elevators. Like <laughs> I'm on the ground where humanity belongs. <laughs> I mean, if you're like on floor 80. I mean, you better hope you're already up there. <laughs> oh, and I'm never going back home. Like, yeah. I mean, I'd walk. This sounds terrible. I'd walk down 80 flights of stairs. Sure. Yeah. I'm not walking yeah. up 80 flights of stairs. No. But like if you wanted to move, like you would have to move all your furniture and shit down 80 flights of stairs. No. Mm -hmm. I am literally taking everything with me to my next apartment that can be thrown out the window. Yeah. And everything else stays there. Yep. Looks like it's just comforters and pillows for me. Yeah. <laughs> and that's only because it's soft to land on when I jump out. Yeah. 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 And use the comforter <laughs> as... A parachute. Exactly. It's a good thing I bought that bouncy house. <laughs> Definitely bring the bouncy house. Did you, did you buy a bouncy house? <laughs> <laughs> no, Mikey. Mm. Can I argue it's a business expense and write her off? Because then I'll consider it. If we make video content with a bouncy house, it is a business expense. That's true. That's actually very true. Yeah. Welcome to Romancing the Pod. Now we do record it from a bouncy house. <laughs> you hear the constant hum of like the air generator? Like... <laughs> Mikey, where are you? I'm in the bouncy house, like we talked about. So as he's walking the dog, the dog poops. He refuses to pick up the dog poop because he's like, I ain't touching that. And so uh, Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis and the police officer is like, but there's a law. You have to yeah, pick it up. You have to. And he's like, no. And she's like, okay, I'm going to write you a ticket. Yeah. And then she does write him a ticket. Well, she writes it for Stuart because that's of, right. That's right. Because the mail she finds in his pocket. the envelope in his coat. Yeah. Well, because she asks his name and he like gives yeah. his like 30 like name long thing. Yeah. Leopold, Alexis, Elijah, Walker, Thomas, Garrett, Malbaton. <laughs> like it's just ridiculous. And then she grabs yeah. right, the envelope Stuart. and she's like, all right, Stuart. Yeah. <laughs> Have a great day. So we cut to Kate's office where her assistant, Natasha Leone, is reading a romance novel. Gets to the last page. And I do like that she's like, did it end happy? And she's like, he lost his leg to gangrene, but they're together now. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> we find out that her boss is back in town and he's potentially handing out promotions as part of a merger that's happening. Yes. And he wants to sit in on her next campaign. We cut back to Leopold, who goes to the bridge and, good Lord, his erection still stands. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is definitely more than four hours. You should call a doctor. Um, but yeah, the world has changed all around it, but his erection still stands. But he basically sees the bridge finished. Yeah. And that's kind of, you know, that's interesting. But a fire truck passes. He chases it back to the apartment building where they found Stuart in the shaft. Yeah. And Stuart's like, you got to get back inside. And they tell him which hospital they're taking him to. 
taking Stuart to, but that means nothing to Leopold. He's like, I don't know what, what is it? Because yeah. he like never calls. So we cut to the meeting for the pitch meeting for uh, Farmer's Bounty that Kate's boss is going to sit in on. And this is where we he- hear multiple people read the sides that are the funniest part of this movie. They're just fresh creamery butter. Yeah. Like that's the one quote people remember from this movie. But they're essentially watching like videos of screen tests of actors they're thinking of picking as their spokesperson. And they're all terrible. Oh yeah. And that's what Meg Ryan's pointing out. She's like, this guy people thought was disingenuous or something like that. And then the other guy was like, people straight up wrote in he was a creep. Yeah. They were like, <laughs> no, thank you. And she spills coffee on herself. Because she gets, like, Natasha Leone is, like, signaling her. And she's like, Stuart, it's an emergency. He's in the hospital. Yeah. She falls, spills coffee on herself. Her boss orders her a new blouse from Barney's. And we cut back to Stuart's apartment where Leopold is encountering a frozen Hungry Men dinner for the first time. And I just like that he goes, dear Lord. Yeah. <laughs> and just, like, sets it down. Like, he's like, no. But he's also, he doesn't know how to use a microwave. Like, there's no way he would be able to heat that meal. No, 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 no. It would just be pure confusion. And yeah. I think he finds it because he's fascinated by the freezer. Yeah. But... Stuart's smart, so Stuart calls his own voicemail and is like, Leopold, don't be frightened. Pick up the handset. And I do love the Leopold's like, Bill's talking telegram. Are you there? I saw a demonstration of this. <laughs> he's just like excited about the phone. But essentially, at this point, he's like, you got to stay inside. I'll be there soon. But like, you know, I, I will be in the hospital. I'll see you in a bit. He hangs up the phone and as he turns, there's a kid on the couch uh, who is literally just like, hi, I'm Hector. My mom works late. So Stuart and I watch TV. Do you want some pirate's booty? And so he's like, okay, sure. (laughs) No, what he does is, oh, pirate's booty. Let me tell you a tale of pirate's booty. And he starts describing pirates of Penzance. Let me tell you a tale of pirate booty about the time I got balls deep in pirate booty. Yeah, but not yet. (laughs) Because first we cut back to Kate's office. Right. And she basically has a chance to meet with her boss. Who's like, that was that meeting went great. Let's go do dinner tomorrow night and we'll talk about the promotion and everything. But he's kind of, kind of creepy. He has a very creepy vibe to me. He does. And you know immediately because before you even meet her boss, who is Bradley Whitford, who I I love. I think Bradley Whitford is amazing. I would have voted for Bradley Whitford a third time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good, good reference to his character in Get Out if you guys haven't seen that movie. But when Meg Ryan and Natasha are talking about Bradley Whitford's character, they talk about how he was hooking up with one of their co-workers in the very first scene. And that's how she found out he was back in the office. Yes. So you know he is like a bad guy, like a bad dude. Yeah. He's the bad guy. (laughs) (laughs) He does seem to be like an actual fan of Meg Ryan as a professional. Like, I think he thinks she does good work, but that's not going to stop him from trying to bang her before he goes to London permanently. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting... I think I thought it was an interesting inclusion and I'm pretty sure it's only so that Leopold has a romantic rival. Yeah. Because at the end, like typically this is going to sound terrible. Typically in these situations, when somebody presents you with an opportunity for romantic advances and you turn it down, you don't get that promotion. Right. uh, Sexual harassment. And it's like a whole thing. So the fact that she's just like, we're not going to be a thing and he still gives her the job, I thought was interesting. I think that they did that because they wanted it to be like, oh, well, she's definitely not going to leave now. Oh, but of course she is because it's true love or whatever. Yeah, I guess. 
I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not good either way. Yeah, no, the, neither one is great. Uh, yeah. So anyway, this is also the speech where he's like, you're not even like a woman. You're like a man who knows how women think. And I'm like, first right. of all. This is not Mel Gibson in that movie from the 90s. <laughs> but also femininity <laughs> is a spectrum. What do we want? I mean, we're, we're going to have to watch that at some point. Anyway, so he gives her this weird speech about masculinity and, and how that's why he likes her and it's a whole thing. We cut back to her apartment where her brother Charlie has gotten home from what we will find out is like an actor's retreat. Yeah. And Leopold is telling a pirate story to Hector and it is Pirates of Penzance. And Charlie, because he's an actor, like, oh, Penzance. So like, where are you performing? <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Well, Hugh Jackman is talking about how he got to see the Gilbert and Sullivan Pirates of Penzance because they would have been releasing it around that same time. He got to see it before it was actually out and he was like on Fifth Avenue or something. And then that's when Meg Ryan's brother's like, it's not on Fifth Avenue, it's on whatever because I think it was playing at that time. So at this point, Kate gets back to her office and Natasha Leone is like, Stuart's in the hospital and leopold's at home whoever leopold is so she goes to see Stuart, and Stuart's like you've got to take care keep him inside or else all elevators will stop <laughs> it's a weird motivating factor it is very and he's odd, like the yes. space time continuum but mainly elevators <laughs> like, <laughs> she's like i live 80 floors up <laughs> so uh she gets back to her apartment she hears everyone upstairs and goes up to find her brother leopold and hector and we find out that Charlie, her brother, has invited Leopold for dinner. They come downstairs and they kind of argue about it because she doesn't want anything to do with Leopold. She's like not having it. You know, chemistry. Uh, so <laughs> It is wild that literally in like eight days, she's going to give up her entire life and rights as a woman to be with him. They don't like each other. They don't even like each other. I know. It's wild. I mean, she doesn't like him. It's just... Ugh. He doesn't have enough Uzis or witch magic. Oh, she didn't, you can't come <laughs> forward with witch magic. Oh, my God. That's not how the time sock works, Paige. Yeah, Paige. Time socks. Your new... <laughs> Cut it out. Time socks <laughs> isn't giving us money. <laughs> this episode brought to you by time socks time socks do you want to travel through time but do you also want sweat wicking when you're wearing tennis shoes time socks <laughs> compression for flights time socks so we cut to them having dinner and it's clearly like just frozen stuff that's been reheated and so he's like cutting tater tots in half and he's like not digging whatever brick of meat that was yeah. i don't know what it was It was like a salisbury steak hungry man dinner from like the 90s Something. it looked terrible yeah. and he's just like may i have the next course and she's like there is no next course this is it buddy and he's like meals are a reflection of of like you know self they're the result of reflection and study and they help us bear through the crudeness of reality and i was like amen brother that's what cheese plates are for yeah have you heard of our charcuterie board sir yeah yeah, yeah. yo have you heard of queso because <laughs> queso it's like amazing this is also where he stands wherever a woman leaves the table so yeah. he does it like multiple times and all of it's just annoying the shit out of her yeah and so he also tries to explain how Stuart is right and how his time travel theory works, because somehow, even with his primitive understanding of the laws of physics, he understood all of Stuart's sock drawings, apparently. which is nuts because he couldn't even at this point in his life invent an elevator. So, like, right. <laughs> I think he had the idea. He just didn't have the motivation. Sure. I mean, either way. 
to take someone with a primitive mind, maybe not primitive, but like an 1876 <laughs> mind. Primitive. And like, primitive. Before <laughs> this, Leopold was like, you must choose a wife from these cave drawings, primitive man. <laughs> I don't think he's that dumb. He's just I from, mean, he, <laughs> he probably is He just doesn't smart. know what we haven't discovered yet. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like figuring out string theory levels of science just from looking at the video game from Star Trek The Next Generation that Liev Schreiber had been drawing on papers. I mean, that's like Galileo. He did the same thing. We're well, fine. And everyone knows that people from the 1800s had brains the size of walnuts. <laughs> yeah. They're primitive, primitive brains. Primitive brains. <laughs> you talk about like the Neanderthal. Like they were just hunting with sticks back then. <laughs> they were also still part ape. I don't know if you know. Uh, yeah, they would hand me a sextant, and I'd be like, I don't know how to use this because I'm from the future. Like, this is very complicated. That actually would 100% happen if we went back in time. They would be like, right? okay, I mean, like, can you navigate us back to England? And I would be like, no. They'd be like, can you do math? And I'd be like, absolutely not. The people in the future don't do math. Yeah. The computers do math. Have you heard of a cell phone? Which magic? Yo, my, I, I have to charge my Apple Watch, but like then I could totally get us back to England. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me just, hold on, I'll Google it. United Airlines. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think they were that primitive. <laughs> I just think they didn't. They were missing pieces to this puzzle. Absolutely. But he seems to understand it. Uh, and she's just like, I can't. Go away. Make him go away. Can you go away? Because she's, she's mean. Yeah, she's very mean to him here. Although he had been rude. Like, I will say he was pretty rude in this scene, too, because he was, like, being your, proper. Your cooking and, sucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he was, like, being rude, too. So, like, whatever. But, like, they then end up together at the end of this movie. It's weird. At the end of this week. Talk. Yes, absolutely, Paige. It's wild. I'm telling you, it's it's that half ape 1800s brain. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, this movie gets infinitely better if he is also half ape, but <laughs> but equally as good as if. And I know I suggest this like every third or fourth movie. What if we just imagine this movie and instead of Hugh Jackman, it's just straight up Wolverine. <laughs> I'm yes. here for it though, Paige. That like I love. Yeah, but half ape. Yeah, the mm. mighty Wolver ape, an ape <laughs> with an adamantium skeleton. You know the funny thing is Wolverine was born in like 1892. So like, according to some to some comic. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Some of them, not every version, but yes. Some of them. So, like, he might be Kate Leopold's son. Speaking of Kate and Leopold's son, wait till you hear about fun facts. What? Hang on. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I've never seen you miss a mic so hard in your life. That was awesome. <laughs> Doppler, party of one. <laughs> he leaves, and Brecken Meyer's character, her brother Charlie, thinks that he's just a method actor. And, yes. like, it's, it's the same thing as... Like in Predator when... <laughs> oh, they think that the Predator is just someone method acting? Yeah, that was the interesting part of that movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was Carl Weathers keeps thinking that it's, that it's like gorilla soldiers. Yes, which oh again, my God. ape soldiers, here for it. Uh, <laughs> Apes together strong, Paige. <laughs> Apes together strong, Uzis and witch magic. Uh, <laughs> I hate this episode so much. Well, but it's it, it's that thing of like when we've clearly established that it is not gorilla soldiers, and he's still just like can't believe those gorilla soldiers can turn invisible and shit. <laughs> but 
It's that same energy of Breckenmeyer being like, I can't believe he's so method. But also, Ugh. even if I was like a great actor, which I buy Breckenmeyer is, you know, he's a New York, yeah, I'm assuming, I working actor, but he's a good actor in his own right, right? But like, even if I was that level of good and I was hanging out with somebody who was having to play an 1800s or 1876 like nobleman, if they wouldn't stop doing it, I would leave. Like, that would be annoying. That's just as bad as, well, I'll, I'll wait till we get to it. It's just a couple scenes from now. Okay. But essentially, we cut to the hospital. Stuart's trying to get the phone. They won't let him have the phone. <laughs> they sedate him. Well, because he almost kills the guy next to him by ripping out some, like, like plugs or whatever that were in his arm. Yeah, tubes. Uh, and he yeah, just keeps plugs. saying about how he has to <laughs> fix the time-space continuum. I thought it was funny that she's like, oh, sure you do. And then she knocks him out. And then the next time we see him, he's like in the psych ward. He's he's being involuntarily committed. Yeah, yes. so they definitely committed him after that. Like, Mikey went to see him, and he was like, we're going to have to involuntarily commit you. There's not much you can do in that situation. Yeah, yeah, that's true. If somebody keeps screaming about the time-space continuum... All you have to do is jump through the time sock! <laughs> I'm like, I've heard it all, buddy. Time shoe, time sock, I don't give a fuck. You're in here for good. What if? Hear me out. Okay. This whole movie is a Shutter Island scenario for Liam Schreiber's character. <laughs> we, planted the we, we planted the pictures. Yes. You filmed a butter commercial for my hallucinations? <laughs> I wasn't even in that scene. <laughs> <laughs> They're method, man. Method, man. You know who'd be great in this? <laughs> method, method, man. <laughs> now, 100% page, all you're doing is word association, and I'm here for it. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, so we cut to the apartment where Kate's doing yoga and she smells burning toast upstairs. So she goes up and finds out that Leopold has like a fucking vendetta against the general of electric and his toaster. I did think that that was very funny. The whole like him calling the general like the general should care more about the quality of his products. Yes. Uh, I'm going to say this is why you should get a toaster oven. Then you can control the time. I mean, you could also just like push it down again and then, you know, and then like, pop it back pop up. Pop it back up when it's hit the optimum level of toast coitus. Yes. We have a toaster oven, but I also have a British toaster that does not pop. Oh, really? Um, but what I also love is that he's like, because she makes fun of him and is like, oh, is toast the result of reflection and study? And he's like, yeah, warm brioche and marmalade. And I'm like, that does sound good. Brioche is amazing. <laughs> and fresh creamery butter. And she's like, you come with me, fancy boy. And so she takes him into the, I guess this would be like a, like a focus group study and has him basically read the lines and the copy for margarine. Yeah. And everyone else is not fully with it. And she's like, no, you got to trust me because there's like three ladies on Zoom and they all perked up at the sight of Wolverine about to destroy some butter. And so they end up picking him because... But this is the scene where he's like, I'm assuming you want me to give this to the camera? No, that's the next... Well, no, because he has to read it. And they're like, he's looking oh, no, down right. the barrel no, of right. the camera. It it's nuts. Little... Like, he knows what a camera is. He knows how to use a teleprompter. It's and that he should de deliver it like right down the lens, yeah. And how to act. Like, he's not just reading. Like, acting existed a hundred years ago, Todd. It did, but he... So he says it, and, and he says it, uh, on Geronimo is what he says. Instead of Geraldo. Yeah, and they're like, he means Geraldo. Uh, <laughs> which is a funny word association, but I didn't mean... I didn't fully understand the reference they were trying to make. But he, yeah, it is implying that he understands 
that the camera is capturing a moving image of him yeah. and he's going to perform directly to it instead of to the crowd of people behind glass or whatever. Yeah. Which is a disconnect that somebody who has probably never seen a motion picture would not necessarily understand. Oh, he's definitely seen a motion picture at this point. He's been here for like a week and a half. I mean, that's true, but like before this week and a half. So he doesn't understand how it happens necessarily. Mm, I was already hating it that much to even pick in at this point. I was just like, oh. And they have him reading a teleprompter. Yeah. Like people who know what teleprompters are struggle to do that. Well, he's very good. He's just, he's a natural artist, I, I guess. guess. You don't become a Duke by just being born into it. <laughs> yeah, you aggressively do. <laughs> you know what, Mikey? Good point. That's one of the main <laughs> ways it happens. I can't wait till King Charming Potato takes over and installs <laughs> skill-based Dukes. <laughs> this is Duke Fry Chef of Waffle House. <laughs> For optimal spatula skills. <laughs> <laughs> he literally is like knighting him with a big spatula. But it, as it touches each shoulder, just psh, and then psh, the way it does when you smash burgers on a grill. Yeah, but it's just me making the sound. <laughs> There's that witch magic he does again. <laughs> yeah, witch as in sandwich, like a grilled sandwich. <laughs> what magic. is happening with the word association today? I love it, though. Just killing it. Just killing it. Anyway, they choose him for the ad. And he, as they leave, she's super excited about it. JJ's like, nice work, Mr. Margarine. The outfit was a good idea. And he's just like, okay. And Kate reveals that things went really well. And that's her boss. She's supposed to go to dinner with him that night. Yeah. And he's like, do you need a chaperone? His intention is obvious. I would have informed <laughs> you of my intentions in writing. In writing. Yeah. Ugh. My dearest Catherine. I do intend to wreck that pussy on the morrow. <laughs> Sincerely, Leopold. I do declare I want to destroy it. <laughs> Your time, Sock. I have attained the rank of Duke of Pussy Slayer. <laughs> I, it's a skill-based rank, my I dude. would like to declare my intentions to dump it all inside. <laughs> forthwith. So dump it in. If you are amenable to this, please reply. Yes, no, maybe. Uh, by the way, I still have not gotten a lot of swipe rights on my new dating profile of I have the dad bod just looking to make the baby. <laughs> I am shocked that you actually used it. I thought it was funny, but I didn't think you should actually use it. Yeah, I probably should delete it. I'll, Paige, you can make a new one if you want. Something with time travel. <laughs> my name is Sir King Potato, and I plan on going back in time. They say hot dogs take 35 minutes off your life, but... I've got a sausage that'll only take 12. <laughs> You've heard of a hot dog going down a hallway, it but have you seen? <laughs> have you ever seen a hot dog split a hallway in half? <laughs> no, that's physically impossible. But have you seen a man with a hot dog fall down that highway? <laughs> have, you, have you seen a hot dog make a hallway go full-blown inception? No, I haven't talked. <laughs> I want you to picture the Wienermobile. My penis is much smaller. <laughs> but isn't the Wienermobile fun? Aren't you glad you pictured that? That was a fun exercise, right? I do like that it started out like it was a joke and then was just a fact. 9-11 was an outside job <laughs> Yeah, because the planes were in the sky That's outside I should write dating profiles 
Of course it was an outside job, Mikey, because Pierce Brosnan was not inside the towers. Right. Neither was Robinson Paddington Bear. (laughs) (laughs) No, he was inside the towers, Paige. I'm vengeance. (laughs) I am vengeance. I am the bear. (laughs) I thought of a symbol that scared me as a child, a bear in a raincoat and a funny hat. (laughs) Anyway, so he he tells her that he should have informed her of her intention, of his intentions in writing. Yes, which is true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, a text is technically writing. So if you're just like, you up, question mark, does that count? A hundred percent. Eggplant emoji, peach emoji, water splash emoji, dancing cats. Time sock emoji. Time sock emoji. It's a flat circle. Uh, So he sees a carriage and she's like, no, those are for tourists. And as she's trying to wave down a taxi, a guy snatches her purse. And Leopold, she chases after. Leopold grabs a horse Catches up with the guy and is like, on pain of death, and like, and threatens him and gets the purse back. And everyone's like, oh my God, he threatened violence. That's so hot. He threatened violence on the back of a horse. Sploosh. Sploosh. I mean, okay. If you stop a purse snatcher for like a girl you're interested in, like, that's like, that's pretty dope. Points. Yeah. I mean, I'd be like, yeah, thank you. I didn't want to have to buy a new iPhone and get a new ID. You saved me a trip to the DMV, and that is worth sexual favors. <laughs> so I would be like, you just saw the purse snatcher. Now you just met the P-word snatcher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mikey. Oh, I love it. Honestly, no notes on that joke. I'll put that on Bumble. <laughs> so they end up taking the carriage home anyway because he has to bring the horse back. And she's like, are you for real? And he's like, I believe so. And she's like, so you're a duke. And he's like, well, I was born a duke, but I've never felt like one. So we cut back to the apartment and he's training the dog to sit and stay. And she's like looking at him in the mirror. And I think this is the first time where they're like, I mean, he saved her purse. She's got to put out now. Like they're trying to make it seem like She's in love with him, but like we've only had this one scene of them even hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, And like generally they're just mean. She's like mean to him all the time. All the time. Even once they're together, she's mean to him. But like he's like, I'd like to reiterate my offer to chaperone. She's like, no, thank you. Uh, And then her brother's like, why didn't you let me audition to be Mr. Butter? Damn it. That's exactly what he says. Those are the exact lines from the film. Mm -hmm. Actually, he pretends to be he pretends to do an English accent and says crikey. Yeah. And I'm like, that's not. No, this is exactly why you didn't get cast, Brecken. You couldn't sell butter to save your fucking life. (laughs) I'd like to write and formally declare my intention to never have you sell butter. Anyway, so we cut to the dinner with her boss and He's kind of congratulating her on finding Leopold. And he's like, you're not sleeping with him, are you? And she's like, uh, no. Meanwhile, Charlie takes Leopold out to a bar and points out a girl that he's obsessed with, Patrice. And he's like, she's mine. Let's go. But clearly, Breckenmeyer is clueless. But I did yeah. like Hugh Jackman's pickup line in this scene. My name is Duke Bo from Hazard County. Oh. Da, 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 no, 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 no. <laughs> I didn't realize Albany was in the South. <laughs> All them Duke boys are at it again, making shitty jokes on podcasts and getting in trouble. <laughs> uh, anyway, so he meets Patrice, and this is the scene where... Just like how Breckenmeyer was like, he he's method. He's lecturing this whole, he's doing this whole like weird, like talk about his actor's retreat and they were clearly doing Macbeth and whatever. And he was like talking about it. And I just have in my notes, God, I hate 
actors. <laughs> like, it's, but it's, it's the like, there's a certain brand of, of theater person who will just talk themselves up their own ass about it forever. And they're insufferable to be around. And oof, magoof, is he one of them in this scene? Yeah. It is. Well, and Patrice is clearly like, please stop talking. Like her face <laughs> is the clearest it has ever been. And all Leopold has to do is like help her carry the glasses and then be like, oh, yeah, there's a basement in the Louvre. They've got PB's bicycle down there and a bunch of paintings. And so as he's kind of describing the basement of the Louvre and clearly all the women at the table are now immediately interested. We cut back over to Kate's dinner where they're looking over photos of his house in London and they're talking about he's like, I'm going to have to go over there and I'll need somebody that, you know, top honcho in New York. And she's like, hey, so when you say that, is that me? Like, what's going on? And he's like, well, we should go to the opera on Saturday. Like, he's kind of ignoring every time she talks about the job. Uh, we cut back to the bar and Leopold and Charlie are leaving and Charlie's like you basically hit on my girl he's like no I didn't I got her number for you I am the best wingman but he basically gives him a lecture on like women want sincerity yeah you were putting on a persona and she can tell so just be sincere tell her how you feel Declare your intentions in writing. Fax it. Have it notarized twice. <laughs> notarized twice. <laughs> Get one of those wax seals and like put yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, seal it with the wax. Yes. I and yep, no offense yep. to Breckenmeyer, but if if it was Breckenmeyer and Hugh Jackman, and you could pick between the two, most women are gonna pick Hugh Jackman every time. Yes. No, and, some people are unhealthy. <laughs> That's why I said most. I have met Breckenmeyer and he is very nice. He's a very nice guy in person. I like some of his romantic comedies and we'll pick one soon. I don't think he's an unattractive person. That's not what I'm saying. I just think Hugh Jackman is oh, more yeah. attractive. Yeah, yeah. I think he's a, a specific type and not everyone has that type. But I do think that like, yeah, most people are going to choose Hugh Jackman yeah. in this scenario. Anyway, so he talks him out of texting Patrice that night and they're going to go home and they're going to like formulate a plan tomorrow. But as he's talking about it, Breckenmeyer's like, you like my sister. And I'm like, where did that even come from? There's right? like no signs. Of that. Like, it makes no sense. We haven't seen really any of that. And he's like, no, we've got to go to her dinner and interrupt it, which is just like. Yeah, I thought that was so crazy. Th th it's just so bad. This whole thing, this whole movie is just not great. Well, we cut to that dinner where her boss is, he's gone from like, kind of being flirty to directly hitting on her and it's clearly making her uncomfortable and not just that like a quid pro quo kind of way oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. it and is sexual harassment like Paige was saying earlier yeah and she has said no 100% oh yeah we find out later definitely uh, but that's when her brother and Leopold show up and essentially Leopold just like clowns this fool yeah because He's like, yeah, your manor house is not as old as you say it is because I grew up in that place. Also, you don't speak French. And Bohème is usually performed in Italian, even though it's like set in French. You're a cad. Like you're like you're terrible. So he and Charlie leave. But Kate's very embarrassed. So she comes home and she doesn't even want to speak to them. No, another like time in the movie when Meg Ryan's character does not like Hugh Jackman's character. And we're literally like two days away from her giving up her life. I for honestly wish love worked like this, because if I <laughs> could count careful, if I had a dollar for every woman who didn't like me a lot. Oh, then yeah. I would have so many people fall in love with me. Yeah. Yeah. Mikey, yeah. yeah. 
Well, and this is also an hour into the movie. Yeah. Oh, God, we're just an hour? This movie's almost two hours long, and an hour into the movie, they still aren't speaking. Like, that that's how long we've gotten into it. But, Paige, they're only together in this movie from the date to the commercial shooting. Yeah. And then they break up at the commercial shoot, and then she's gone. Three and a half days. Because it starts here where he writes her out this apology and yes. they sneak it into her bag. Yeah. She goes to the office. She ends up reading it during the meeting. And it is a great apology. It is. 100%. Yeah. And her assistant convinces her to say yes. Say yes to a date. The apology says, to make it up to you, I'd love to have uh, dinner with you on the roof at 8 o'clock. This is the letter of him right. stating his intentions, more or less. Right. Yeah. So we cut to Liev Schreiber in the psychiatrist's office where he's like, I didn't jump. I fell. I wasn't trying to kill myself. Uh, and they put him on an antipsychotic medication. Yeah. Which if you're not psychotic, taking an antipsychotic can be kind of dangerous, correct? Mostly if you take antipsychotics and you're not having a psychotic disorder, they can actually elicit psychosis symptoms. Mm. Some of them. It's bad. Meanwhile, Charlie's formulating his call to Patrice and he does she says yes very sweet yeah uh, then Leopold gets the faxed reply from Kate's office about the date that night and um, we cut to uh, she gets home and gets changed yeah she puts on that black dress yeah that still has the tag on it yeah I think that was just to show that she doesn't really get dolled up in a feminine yeah. way, often. In, in a stereotypical yes. feminine way. I think, I would say, as far as this movie goes, they put her in almost the same outfit, definitely the same cut for the whole of this movie until this point. And to me, it almost feels a little offensive that it's almost this implication that until she met him, she didn't understand how to be feminine, which is kind of a gross assertion that this movie kind of subtly makes. I think it's a well-known fact, Paige. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, though, but I think it's a well-known fact that women can't be feminine until they meet their one true male love gross. from the past. <laughs> gross. I read a female author. I mean, I don't understand what you want. Oh, you also read... Jane Austen? Oh, Jane Austen. She is <laughs> fair and balanced. I yeah. mean, pride and the same. Pride and yeah. the same? Pride and the same. But it, it's from this moment on in the movie, she is wearing more form-fitting clothes. She's got more low-cut necklines. They're pulling her hair back and doing a couple other things. She's wearing more makeup. Yeah. And it's it's a definite like delineation point that... The first time I watched this as a kid, I wouldn't have noticed. But as an adult, and especially as as a bossy-ass career lady, I was like, hey, I don't like it. He should have stayed in the future. Yes. And the movie would have worked a little better. It would have worked better. I mean, because then if sh they break up, which they're gonna break up, she's not trapped in the past. Mm, you can't yeah. break up back then. You have to get, like, the Pope to, like, uh, officiate your divorce or whatever. Well, and, like, when she gets stuck in the past... She's gonna run into the Outlander problem of them being like, she knows how to read. She's a witch. Burn her. Which is what happens to Claire like every 10 seconds in later seasons. Yeah. Because people are just like, that bitch, a witch, hands down. She knows about herbs. <laughs> like, so <laughs> She's like, sprinkle this basil in your soup and it's gonna taste better. And you're witch! Like, Burn her! Get the Uzis! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she puts on the dress. She goes up to the rooftop. It is very beautiful. And then they have a very bizarre conversation where, A, she talks about fairy tale romance and is like, 
Charles and Diana. And I'm like, at this point, we knew that wasn't a fairy tale. Why are we using this as an example? Well, she even says, like, it's an example of not getting everything you want. Right. It's it's wild. Like, it's a weird conversation to have when you're, quote unquote, falling in love with your one true love. Like, what what is happening here? Well, and then she goes on this whole, like, maybe love is Santa Claus and it's just for, like, making us buy stuff, basically. It's like Santa Claus for adults. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't bought anything for love except for tender gold. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he basically is like, I never fell in love. I've never met anyone I liked. And I was going to marry people for money. So, yeah, whatever. And then they dance. They seem too young because I think now I would marry someone for money. (laughs) (laughs) Mikey, it's not worth it. Although, if it's Kristen Shaw, do it because she's great. Oh, I meant to bring this up when he was writing the, the apology letter. But he makes like a quill. Like he, he breaks like six ballpoint pens to get that in. Yes. And it drove me insane. I was so mad that he broke apart pens to make ink for his quill. Like, why not just write it with your pen with that you're breaking pen. over? You clearly know a pen is a pen. Yeah, because you know that there's ink I in it. I know. It's he so took- nuts. Oh, okay. I'm going to defend the Duke of Hazard here. Because he learned calligraphy with a quill, not a ballpoint pen. So he was like, he probably did write an apology letter that looked like trash. And he's like, I can do fancy old timey things. Let me get some ink. She's going to get home and be like, where the fuck are all my pens? I know. That's me every day. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, they end up dancing and then kissing. But I'm just like, literally nothing has has there's no chemistry i don't see how you've fallen in love i'm confused we cut to the next morning and he's fixed the toaster by attaching a kitchen timer to it which i thought was very funny yeah and we find out that charlie had a nice evening with patrice and he's making very fancy strawberry mascarpone toast for kate yes and obviously washing dishes you know doing the bare minimum but being like look i deserve credit for this that's why i like dating people with bad exes i know it (laughs) honestly is the best mikey it's like you're at the (laughs) high jump but the bar is like three inches off the ground you could trip over it yeah it's the best But I will say this (laughs) I blame Brecken Meyer for this Because Brecken was like Don't start the dishwasher until she starts to come out of the bedroom And then start the dishwasher So you get credit for it Right. He's setting bad examples is all I'm saying Oh man so uh, She cries over the toast Which like relatable I have made some good ass (laughs) toasts in my time I don't think any toast is worth crying over I mean I Maybe not crying but I have made this sound Oh my god! And then you had some toast coitus. No, this was just from the toast. <laughs> oh, itself. okay. All right. I think you can understand my confusion. Though. It was like my mouth got dicked down by that toast. <laughs> She's a very loud eater, but a very quiet person in sexual relationships. Yeah, just that's the sex noise. <laughs> <laughs> the food noise. Uh, so. He says, what should we do today? She takes him sunglass shopping. She makes fun of him for the way the sunglasses look on him. I've been there. Uh, and she takes him to, they, they walk past his old house and they go in. And I think it, it must be some sort of community center, historical building or something now. Cause they're able to just kind of walk through it. And he pulls out a mantelpiece where there's a secret drawer and he finds his mother's ring and a bunch of stuff that she didn't want. He didn't want his uncle to touch. And at that point she's like, wait, how did he know this was here? Like he must not be lying. 
basically. Yeah. And also her reaction to the fact that he actually is from the past is just like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Not just like, we got to find a time sock stat. <laughs> yeah. She's very nonchalant about the whole thing. It was wild to me that she didn't lose her fucking mind right here. Here's where I would have rewrote this movie. One, they would have had more moments together. Two, he was hiding wealth from his uncle. So when he came forward, there was a bunch of diamonds in there and then he could start his new life in the future as a rich man. I don't hate that. Yeah, I don't hate that. Yeah, I was going to say or cash them into future money and then take that money back or something. But like, yeah, but some way to. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I would have preferred he stayed in the future also. But then elevators. Anyway. Ugh, elevators would have been invented eventually. What if he was just a bad inventor? <laughs> like a historically bad inventor and didn't invent anything of consequence so that none, nothing we care about breaks. The whole elevator thing is dumb. Like he could have just been a regular duke. Yeah. Anyway, she asks, like, do you miss where you're from? And he's like, I miss the pace because it was slower. And they're like looking at the bridges. It's this very sweet moment. And he kind of like kisses her hand. And we cut to them on the fire escape watching her neighbor and his whole breakfast at Tiffany's evening routine. Yeah, where he listens to that song and then at midnight he turns it off and goes to bed. Yeah. Yeah. And she basically is like, I don't want this weekend to end like because this was good and we're going to have to go back to work and we have to film your commercial. Uh, So he she starts to fall asleep. He almost asks her to marry him, which again, after one date. Yeah, they had they literally had a dinner. With a violinist right. that I guess was doing this for free because no one paid no, him. No, he just hired him off the street. With what money, Paige? I don't know. Rubies? I, don't know. <laughs> I guess Stu's going to come back and be like, where's my sock drawer? Hundreds. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, there's no money in this movie. Yeah, we never see that transaction. Anyway, but like they spent that dinner breakfast and then sort of the rest of the day together and that's it that's it and he kind of carries her to bed tucks her in and kisses her and goes to leave and this is where she says stay and they spoon fully clothed yeah we cut to the next day where they're filming the commercial and as part of the commercial he has to take a bite of the farmer's bounty and he's like this is terrible which, first of all, it's not that bad. Well, I mean, you don't know how bad Farmer's Bounty is. Wait, is Farmer's Bounty real? No. No, but just like vegetable spreads in general aren't the worst thing on earth. I think he's overreacting. Especially for someone who has the palate of someone who came from 1876. Like, I, uh, he probably had a pretty refined palate. I mean, like royalty being picky. I can't believe it. That's not a bad time for food. I watch, okay, this weird plug. Uh, I watch a YouTube channel called Tasting History with Max Miller because I have weird hobbies. And it's really fascinating some of the things that they used to do for flavor profiles back in the day where mm. they would think that certain things tasted really good that are not the types of flavor combinations we would have today, but like people go through phases of the flavor combinations they like. Yeah. Um, but it's very fascinating. Okay, fair enough. But like, I don't know. I just thought it was weird that he like picked this hill to die on. Yeah. And well, one at this point, I was like, they're breaking up over margarine and this is insane. Yeah. Um, but essentially they're breaking up because he's like, this product is bad and you don't have a problem making a commercial for it. And I'm like, yeah, have you seen what rent in New York costs? Like what? It was a very elitist attitude towards life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My honor is worth more than your ability to provide yourself a life. Yeah, exactly. And she's like, I'm tired and I need a rest. And if I have to pedal pond scum to get it, then so be it. That's not her fault. Like, it's not her fault that she has to make money. You know, like, I don't know. It, it, made, it made me very yeah, mad. How about, how about you, Mr. Industrialization? Maybe you 
could have made changes in your time that would have made this more palatable existence. But yeah. no. Uh, but then they have this conversation of like, like, I don't think we can make this work because you're from the past. It's like this whole <laughs> great, I mean, it, That's a more valid conversation. I would say it's a more valid conversation, but we just spent twice as much time on butter. Which is like, yeah. Uh, Paige, the first thing you got to know is that they're not really arguing about butter. They're really arguing about I'm from the future past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I mean, it's the principle of the butter. Anyway, Stuart has been fully committed and no one cares. Uh, and we cut to... <laughs> yeah, no one is looking for Stuart. No one is looking for Stuart. No one's checking in on him. Nothing. And this is where he gives that monologue to Gretchen, the orderly, and it's so good it inspires tears. This is Leo Schreiber giving Oscar-level performances in this wild dog shit movie. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's great, I though. It. I do love that he has to seduce his way out of a psych ward, and I do feel like that is something Mikey will have to do at some point in his life. Who's to say I haven't done it? <laughs> Mike, you can just clock out. Like, <laughs> uh, my shit's protected by hippos, all right? <laughs> I think it's pronounced hippa, Mikey, hippa. He's the doctor. I think he'd know better than you. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, no, you're yeah, right. Dr. Hippo. <laughs> yeah. He's Dr. Hippo hungry. from the, the hippo department. I know my rights. Yeah, Mikey's never had a hippo violation. <laughs> they kill like 64 people a year, not Mikey. Yeah. Not me. I've never violated a hippo in my life. <laughs> I can confidently say that. I'm an idiot. I'm just like a big idiot. I know. And it's why I love you so much. Like a hippo. King Potato will have hippos in his menagerie. Menagerie? <laughs> what word did you just say, Mikey? I've only read that word. <laughs> it's menagerie, right? Menagerie. King Charming Potato will only have hippos in his margarine. <laughs> Mar ma margarine. My margarine is made out of hippos. I feel like I'm having a word association day. Mikey's having a word casual acquaintance day. We're like... <laughs> anyway, so Gretchen helps him escape and he leaves the uh, treatment center. Kate goes back to work and she uh, talks. Uh, she finds out she's getting the job. Meanwhile, Stuart gets back. He and Leopold walk along the bridge and essentially he gets Leopold back to the past. Yeah. Kate calls Stuart and is just like, I got the job. Leopold, please pick up. I miss you. And Stuart gets the message. Charlie comes over and says, where's Leo? And he says to Charlie, he went home. But what we also see is that he's developed all the photos of the stuff that he saw while he went to the past. And Charlie sees them and goes, oh, he was for real. And then notices something in a photo and hands it to Liev Schreiber and is like, look at this. Oh, my God. And we realize that. I mean, I immediately know like she's clearly in the photos. That yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're supposed to realize it at that point. But it sort of ties to a conversation that Hugh Jackman and Leah Schreiber have right before Hugh Jackman goes back to the past where it's like, hey, you may see me there. Don't chase me yeah. like I'm there. Things may change, you know. So like right, right. he goes back and then I think that sort of references these pictures. Right. Exactly. Because now she's in the photos. <gasps> now she's in the photos. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, and he kind of relives part of that day. Um, she gets in the elevator at her office building and it works again, which means that she realizes that he went home. Yeah. So she goes to the farmer's bounty party and knows that it's his house or it used to be his house because it's the one they went to the day before. So she walks through. She sees the painting of him. 
She's kind of walking around where they were the day before. And at this point, Stuart and Charles are on their way there too. Charlie are on the road too. Because he's like, this whole thing is a pretzel. I was supposed to go back and come forward. He was supposed to come forward and come back again. And then she's supposed to also go back. Yeah. Meanwhile, we cut back to the party where he's basically like, I'll marry whoever's got money. I don't give a shit. Um, (laughs) I've given up on love because I had it for a day and then lost it over margarine. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) How does she feel about fucking butter? Because that's my one deal breaker. (laughs) I'm going back to a time where margarine has not been invented yet. Or as I call it, modern day Mikey, where the only thing I have now is I want us to use real butter. (laughs) <laughs> Give me that Kerrygold, bitch. That president. Butter's actually not the best lube, Mikey. It's not a good lube at all. You should not use butter as lube, 100%. Yeah. Why would I waste butter on sex when Thank I could you. have butter on toast, on toast. And it's just as yes. good as sex? Yes. Duh. Duh. <laughs> butter is only for mouth lube. Mouth lube for other foods. Yeah. Anyway, so they get to the farmer's bounty party in the future, and they're not going to let them in. So Charlie just freaks out, and they run inside. It's wild. It's wild. They try to showcase the pictures. She avoids it. Now, here's what I couldn't figure out is how the pictures got to the podium. There's no way for that to have happened based on what we see. No, and I thought that that was like a continuity error because she doesn't take the photos, right? No. So I think when I go through fun facts, there's some stuff that maybe she put the photos there. Okay, but we don't see that in the movie, right? We don't. We do not see it in the movie, but there's an explanation for it later. Anyway... So she sees the photos. She ends her speech. She talks to them. And they're like, you've got to go jump off the bridge in the next 23 minutes. Like, you got to go basically yeah. right now. So they make their way to the bridge. There's traffic. They have to get out and go on foot. After she makes a bonker speech that makes no sense. Yes. Of like, you knew what you wanted, but your heart kept beating and butter. And then she runs. <laughs> they get to the bridge. She has to walk out on this girder. She walks out. She says goodbye to them. Uh, A police officer comes up to try and stop her because they assume that she's trying to complete suicide. They turn and she is gone. I do think had this been Mikey, because he has a lot of experience and stuff like this, he could have fully talked Meg Ryan into not like going back in time to be with. Yeah, I'd be like, why would you want to go back to the 1700s? Oh, wait, you don't like to vote? It's the 1800s, but also, yeah, yeah, whatever. So she lands in the past. She runs to the party and talks her way in because she claims that she knows Otis. Yeah. And he sees her just as he's making his announcement for who he's going to marry. He announces her name. They have their first dance. The end. And And that's that's the the movie. movie. And the ending is terrible. It is. The best part is just Christian Shaw's upset face. Yeah, just like, what? Yeah. She's like, but I have the money. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what do you guys think about Kate and Leopold? Did not like it as much as I liked it in childhood. I will say Hugh Jackman is extremely charming. And their date, if it, this sounds terrible, if it didn't involve her, their date is very charming. But they don't spend enough time together in this movie. No, they do not. To really seem to develop any sort of rapport or relationship. She is mean the whole time for no reason other than I think they just try to characterize her as career woman equals mean, which I find really reductive. Yeah. And they seem to have a pretty reductive view of femininity in this movie. So, yeah, not a not a fan. I think this movie would be better without a love story. And it just was a time travel movie. 
I feel like you could still make a good love story with this movie. You just have to make her more likable. And here's the thing. It's Meg Ryan. She's like, we know she can be likable. It's not a her problem. It is a way the character is written problem. And it's wild. It's bonkers that they write her so unlikable and give them so little time together and then still try to pass it off as a love story. Yeah. I honestly am not a fan. It was sort of boring for as bonkers a premise. Like the first 10 minutes, I was like, oh, this shit's going to be nuts. And I love it. And it just wasn't after that. It was sort of boring after that. Yeah. And there's so much more they could have done with the fish out of water element and her helping him through that. But the reality is the bulk of the things that he experiences as a quote unquote fish out of water don't happen with her or around her. No. Like they are separate for huge sections of the movie. And I feel like if you got (laughs) rid of Charlie and did something to kind of pull Stuart out of the picture a little bit, then the two of them are experiencing that fish out of water scenario together a lot more. And that would bring them together kind of a little more like Splash. Yeah. Even though I know Splash is also a weird pull or mannequin. Like you could have had more of that feel to it where they're actually spending time together, but because they're really not, and they're kind of having their own stories most of the movie, it really doesn't work. All right, picture the scene from Mannequin where they're on the motorcycle, but Hugh Jackman's on the back losing his shit and calling it a horse. No, 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 no. no. Picture the scene from Mannequin. Yes. Meg Ryan's on the motorcycle, but it's in 1804. Why would it be 72 years before Hugh Jackman went back to the future? Because time's a flat circle in a sock. And <laughs> like the wheels of a motorcycle, time is a flat circle. And he put a motorcycle in his tractor trailer of time travel witchcraft. Yeah, with all the Uzis and the witch mm-hmm. and the witch magic. Think about King Charming Potato falling in love back in time with his technology he brought to conquer the world. I honestly just need like a shirt with a potato with like skinny legs, skinny arms, both the arms holding Uzis. And a crown on it with Mikey's face. All hail King Charming Potato. He's plant based. He's (laughs) King Potato. He's He's plant plant based. based. Vote King Potato for a plant based future. Um, And your Magna Carta. <laughs> I ain't gonna get tricked into the some war for the new world. We ain't going over. Just give them those states. They're gonna fuck up their own shit anyway. They were technically colonies at the time, but yeah. I mean, they were stolen land. I mean, anyway. technically they were, but not from England. Do we want to get some plant-based fun facts? Yeah, can you hit yes. us with your fun facts? Plant-based, plant-based fun, fun facts. facts. So money-wise, this movie looked expensive. This movie does look expensive. But their apartments are realistic size for the most part. And yeah, they do seem small, messy and small. <laughs> uh, we don't know what Stuart's job is, so we don't fully know if he could afford his apartment. But Kate could absolutely afford her apartment. Yeah. So there's some they play fast and loose with some history. Uh, but Hugh Jackman did take etiquette lessons from uh, the etiquette es- expert who also trained all the actors for Sense and Sensibility in a couple oh, other shit. films, uh, period films. Very cool. Yeah. Jane Austen's novel. Jane Austen's <laughs> novel. Um, but the Duke of Albany that Albany, New York is named after is actually the Duke of Albany in 1664. So it's a very different time period. Okay. 
He was a Duke that had money, not like this scrub of a Duke. Right, right, right. Trying to holler through the windows of time at, at Kate. <laughs> hanging out the side of his best yeah, friend's, his best friend's Which, time travel device. You know, yeah, I was going to say, hanging out the passenger side of the concept of time, trying to holler at me. So Hugh Jackman and Liv Schreiber would actually end up co-starring as brothers in yeah. X-Men Origins Wolverine. Because they have so much chemistry. Yeah, because the same guy who directed this would then also go on to direct Wolverine, The Wolverine, and Logan. Oh, so no shit. he really? works with Hugh Jackman a lot. <laughs> wow, okay. Wow, that actually checks out. <laughs> Let's talk about the director's cut of this film, which is widely available. Is now, it? Yes, the director's cut of this film is seven minutes longer than the theatrical version. Okay, that's not and, that long. Actually, that's very long. Uh, there's one key difference. <laughs> The key difference is that in the beginning in 1876, they bump into Kate in the past. Oh, oh. I sort of like that. They bump into Kate in the past and there's an implication that Kate is a distant relation to Stuart. The idea being that Kate and Leopold together have children and their descendants are Stuart. It was cut from the film because people made the face that Todd is making right now because that means that there's some very distant history incest going on. They were incesting for over for like 4 years and they broke up like and right before up. this movie started. Like 19 generations on. Yeah. Um but here's what's even weirder because that's a very late version of the story. This screenplay went through multiple 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 edits. Uh, in an early version of the screenplay, he's transported through time in an actual time machine developed by a group of scientists that included Kate. They then have a child of which he is unaware what? and then reunite in the 20s in the middle. In the 1920s? Yeah, they pull a fucking outlander. Of I love like it. People and childs in different times. That's what I want when it comes to time travel yeah. and romance. Yeah. I want bonkersness. Bonkersness. Now, here is a bonkers thing you might not have noticed. Uh, the dress that she wears at the end of the film is a modern two-piece with a narrow profile. But then when she goes through time, her dress transforms into a period-accurate costume. I did notice that. Which would also explain potentially Leah Schreiber having period-accurate costumes, but wouldn't explain why when Leopold comes back to the future, he is in old-timey clothes. And those are your fun facts. <laughs> well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Oh. Let's talk some box office. So what do you think the production budget for Kate and Leopold was in 2001? God, it looks expensive as all get I'm going to say 45. Okay. I'm going to say 50. You guys are on either side of it. It was $48 million. Damn. <laughs> and if you adjust that for inflation, it's $76.9 million, guys. <sighs> oh, my God. Did it make money? We'll talk about that. So this movie came out December 28th, 2001, and it was seventh in the box office when it came out. Oh, <laughs> but it was I, I bet it fucking slayed in the home market because everyone I knew loved this movie when it came out. Yeah. Oddly enough, I don't have the whole market performance for this movie because it rarely tracked movies from that long ago. But let me talk to you about the movies that beat it, which is going to be a lot. So Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, 
It was its second week out, and it was number one. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. That beat everything. Yeah. Yeah. And Ocean's Eleven was number two. Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius was third. Ali was number four. Vanilla Sky was five. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was six. And then Kate and Leopold. Yeah, there was no way it was beating that shit. Yeah, all of those movies, maybe except for Jimmy Neutron, were like iconic movies from that time. Here's what's crazy. I think I also saw Jimmy Neutron around this time. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, Jimmy Neutron was pretty big back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, absolutely. He would invent a better time travel mechanic <laughs> in this film. Yeah, he would. Him and his robot dog. Yeah. All right. So what do you think Kate and Leopold made in its first weekend out? First weekend out, I think it makes $8 million. Okay. More. I'm going to say 12 All right. It made $9.7 million in its first weekend out. Which, for a $48 million movie, is not great. It went on to make a total of $47 million domestically, which is a million under its initial budget. And it also made $23.8 million internationally for a total of $70.9 million. And if you adjust that for inflation, it's $113 million today. So it did make money, although if you budget in marketing, it probably didn't make much. Paige, you're probably right. It probably did very well in the home market. Yeah, like everybody I know had that DVD. Yeah, Natalie has it. Yeah. So you're probably right. But that is your box office. Do you guys think they're still together? They have to be. I think they have to be unless she's going to jump off the bridge again. And not through a time sock. This is the (laughs) real Bridgerton. (laughs) Bridger time, Paige. Bridger Bridger time. time. I like to get home from work. Crack open a bridge. Just enjoy Bridget. <laughs> Crack open a time. God dang it. <laughs> you were almost, you almost had it, Mikey. You almost had it. Enjoy a crack in time by cracking open my bridge. Crack time. in time. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Huey Lewis and the Ooze. Yeah, I think they're still together, but they hate each other and they can't get divorced. I agree. Yeah. I, I 100%. Think I hate them. I like him. Don't so much like her. All right. So this week, Paige, you made us watch Kate and Leopold. And next week, it's my turn. (laughs) Yeah, what we got? I am picking a movie that I saw in theaters that I found so offensive at the time. And I want to remind you, I'm not religious. And it was still offensive to me. Oh, no. Okay. I am going to have you all watch the Ricky Gervais written and directed The Invention of Lying. Is that a rom-com? It is a romance comedy. I don't remember a love story in it. Am I? It's between him and Jennifer Gardner. Yeah. Yeah, it says comedy romance. I didn't think it was. I stumbled upon this movie and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to make them watch this. It is fully terrible though. Like it is bad. Okay. I I remember when this came out. Have you guys seen it? I feel like I have seen part of it. I don't know if I've ever seen it all the way, all the way through. This is probably the most offensive movie we've done in a while. Oh, geez. All right. Okay. Well, that warms me up for my pick for after that. I'll have to pick something (laughs) like a real romantic comedy. Something wholesome. It was going to be that or seven brides for seven brothers, Mikey. I would have been down for seven brides and seven brothers. Uh, I've been getting the itch for Grease 2. Oh, we have to do Grease 1 first. No, we don't. No, we don't. They don't rely on each other at all. They are completely unrelated. <laughs> so your homework for next week is to get wine drunk and watch a horribly offensive movie called The Invention of Lying. It's terrible, guys. I believe it. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Yes, I do. Whose review are you going to read this week? Fleece Banks. Fleece Banks? 
Bangs. Bangs. Oh, wow. So what does fleece bangs have to say? That's what sheep have, by the way. They have fleece bangs. Title of the review, funny and weird. Okay. I mean, I feel like that's accurate. Hey, Todd. Ari, fleece bangs. How does a Scottish man find a sheep in high grass? Very pleasurable. (laughs) Oh, no. Jake told me that joke while I was trying to watch Outlander. I heard a good dirty joke. Do you guys want to hear it? Yes. (laughs) Paige, your face is amazing. Okay, okay. okay. My dick was in the Guinness Book of World Records until the librarian made me leave. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. You shit with that ass? <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, fleece bags. They say, very fun show. Objects to movie morality when the movie is bad, but not when the movie is good, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that, because I, I can see that. Yeah. If, if you have a long face, beware, because they make fun of you constantly. <laughs> My type. Oh my oh, god, yeah. Mikey, Gosh. you need to find oh. out who Fleece Bangs is because they are for, your for, type. For Panic oh. Fest, I am putting together more rounds of teeth identification. Nice. Oh god. Okay. Last sentence. Also, beware. I guess if your dick is shaped like a vitamin water, because <laughs> it might get. We might give you a bit of a complex. Yeah. It's not like that. It's like the Wiener Mobile. But so much smaller. <laughs> why do you, why do you have a plastic bun around it? For protection. Yeah, oh, for you. I'm he's sorry. responsible. You I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't want to have mini corn dog nuggets if he's not ready. <laughs> in my next serious relationship, I'm going to approach my significant other with my penis and a hot dog bun. Have you not done that yet? What are you doing with your life? No. I don't know what I'm doing Come with on. my life. I can't that's find like, a hot dog bun small enough. That's like fourth date <laughs> shit. Do you need a Kaiser roll? What are you doing over there? <laughs> I use King's Hawaiian typically. <laughs> Todd's got more of a slider. <laughs> It'll slider. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, guys, if you like this power thruple that we have here on this podcast, make sure to check out our other podcast, The Horror Virgin. And that is the only other podcast that Mikey and I are on. But Paige gets around and she is on two other podcasts. Black Card Rehab and Cult Podcast. So guys, definitely check out those because they're amazing. If you want to follow us on social, we are at Romancing the Pod Show. Yes. On yes. Instagram. And we are at something else on Twitter who I just have never taken the time to learn. It's, it. it's just Romancing Pod Show because they have a character oh. limit and it's show SHO like Showtime. So guys, check that out as well. And if you want to follow us all individually, pages at Rampage Wesley everywhere, including TikTok, except for Twitter, where she is at Paige Wesley. Mikey is at M Randolph 24, and I am at Todd J Awesome everywhere. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm Todd. And you complete us. To completion. To sock, please. (laughs) (laughs) Toodle pip. Mikey, what's your pickup line? I'm your opium now. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Time sock nerds. It's old timey heroin. You guys get it? Yeah, Yeah. Mikey. Yeah, we We get get it. it. 